Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from AS21 Publishing, exploring the writing, publishing, and marketing process of the fantasy novel, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing, and joining me is... Hey everyone, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone's doing well. Looking forward to talking about this month's podcast. So this is the October 2015 edition of the Publish Me Podcast, Chapter 7, Timelines. Woohoo! Now, we'll get to that in a minute. First, uh, thank you for joining us. Hopefully you had a chance to, you've been keeping up with us. Last month we had a guest, Ace 21 creative Ian Roberts, on to discuss story management. And like I've said in previous podcasts, we're going to have a guest every other month. So I hope you're not disappointed that it's just me and Paul this month, but... I feel that our discussion will be pretty good because we will be talking about the story timeline in the writing process. Nothing too complex there. We won't be getting into time travel or any wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. We are not the doctor. No. <laughs> Before we really get into first thing on the podcast, we want to go ahead and check in with Paul and what he's been up to this past month in crafting his story, the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. All right. Thank you so much, Keith. This past month, I've been doing a little bit more writing. I've been expanding my story a little bit. I've also, this has been another research month for me as I've been adding additional elements to my story. Specifically, I've been adding in and doing research on types of horses. Luckily for me, I have friends who are writers of both Western style and English style, if I remember correctly, who have been able to give me sufficient detailed knowledge on types of horses, their, what they were used for historically, where they would be found, how they've been bred you know, over the years, which has been quite useful for my purposes. I've also been researching uh, musical instruments, how they would be played, where they would be played, in terms of high society, low society, middle society. I've also been researching some not-so-well-known musical instruments that I think my readers will enjoy my descriptions of, and eventually when you all read the story and you find out what the actual inspiration I have found is, because I will list these things in my novel, I'll list what the inspirational piece is, and what the real-world connection is to it. And then everyone can look up these musical instruments and find out how interesting they are or how boring they are for some of you. And maybe if I use them in a way that you hadn't thought of, or maybe if I use them in a really boring way that everyone possibly could have been using them in. So No, no, that won't be boring. Oh, that's true. I mean, I personally think I'm using them in a really good way, but that's just me because I'm a writer and I am absolutely full of myself, like most writers are, I think. (laughs) <laughs> we are our own gods, after all. Well, you have to believe in your own talent and craft, and that leads to a little bit of ego, so... A little bit of ego, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a little bit of that. So, this this past month has been me reading a lot of websites, reading a lot of books, studying a lot of pictures, and listening to a lot of music. Just so everyone can get a small taste of this, when you are done listening to this podcast, please go look up an Aztec death whistle... <laughs> and listen to that on high. This is what this is my homework to all my listeners, and I think you will all enjoy this as immensely as I do. Because that is a wonderful sound that will absolutely put you to sleep at night. Now that is an Aztec death whistle. Okay, I think I need to try to find an audio file of this and include this in the podcast. Perhaps at the end of the uh, Perhaps episode. at the end, yes. The Aztec death whistle. Aztec death whistle. Hey, there's one for sale. <laughs> 
guess you actually they're actually not that hard to find and buy luckily for me so i may buy myself one when i have a little bit of money just so i can walk around in the dark at night in in alleyways and play that and just let the neighborhood panic well it's just interesting like google it and like the top ones are the sound of an aztec death whistle will make your skin crawl horrifying sounds of the aztec death whistle listening to the aztec death whistle that may have hold on don't you love that the link is one headline and that's a completely different headline uh, yeah the sounds will send shivers down your spine Yeah, there's so one on there's one on Etsy for fifty dollars. There we go. So So yes. So that has been the past month for me, everyone. Okay. <laughs> now before we get to discussion, of course we'll go through your know, news and updates for the month. First of all, an apology. So I've already posted this on our Facebook page, which means it got cross posted to Twitter. Last month in discussing story management, I brought up the movie Wonder Boys starring Michael Douglas, but only gave passing reference to the book that the movie was based on. Now, this is a literary podcast, so that, for me, to not really talk about the book is... But it's an excellent book written by novelist Michael Chabon, who is a Pittsburgh native, and so that's why, obviously, he chose to set it in Pittsburgh. It's kind of interesting. I'm from Pittsburgh. I've written two fiction books, and neither of them have been set in Pittsburgh yet, so I'm really doing a disservice to my fellow Yinzers. But, so my apologies on that. It was, quite frankly, when we were having the discussion, the movie was what was as close to mind, and I even made mention of that when we were talking about it. But I should have at least had the information up to at least get say the author's name. That was really the bad thing. That didn't even say his name. But uh, we got to work on those things. Yes. Well, it's just part of the preparation and maturation of this podcast, making sure that certain things are properly covered. Absolutely. All right. Now, updates. We now have an email address, a direct, straight-to-us, nobody-else email address. And you could already find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, where we're at sitting nice and tidy at 116 likes. You can find us on Twitter at podcast. You notice a theme going here? You can now find us at podcast at as21.com. That's podcast, all one word, at aois21.com. Send us an email. Both Paul and I will see it. We might respond to you in email. Well, most likely, if it's a good email and we like it, even if it's, you know, ripping us apart, we might talk about you, talk about your message on a future episode of the podcast. But now there's another way to reach us and reach us directly. Publish podcast at as21.com. Now, that email is being backed up by Google, and because it's being backed up by a Google account, that means we are also now on Google+. Plus. So any Google employee can now find us on Google+. Plus. <laughs> there we and go. We don't currently have plus.google.com slash plus published podcast, but we're working on it, and we may very well have that as well. So that's a new way to get in contact with us. It's direct email, and what we're going to try to do sometime, hopefully over the next month, is we're going to set up an email chain where you email us and add it to the chain, and every time we update with a new episode, whether it be one of our regular monthly episodes or a special supplemental episode, you'll get an email telling you the episode is up. And plus, we may also use that to let you know if we have any surveys or other questions for you or whatnot. And also any let you know of any live events or things that we have coming up. So be on the lookout for that. 
And of course, you continue to check us out, continue to be on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, hosted by Podomatic and being enabled for download on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Now back to Twitter for a second. So last month, I was all happy about how we were at, what, 29 followers? Yep. This month, we're at 37 followers. Huge boost. That's yes, absolutely fantastic, all of you. Welcome to all the new followers. I've already been giving Twitter shout-outs today to some of you. Yeah, to go through the list real quick. Right after last month's episode was recorded, we gained Almeria Angers at Z-Y-U-K-L-O-V-78. Z-U-K-L-O-V-78. O-H-A-N-E, O-I-H-A-N-E at Pichi Girona 878 P-I-C-H-I. G-I-R-O-N-A-878. And True Blue NS. That's True Blue Network Solutions at True Blue NS4IT on Twitter. Now those ones were right after last month. Then this week we added Arnetta Bard at Erican underscore G at there's no name here and it's it's a it's an egg logo, so this one might disappear. At Jackson five nine four three one six five six. Jan Marin Tramontano, and Jan Marin Tramontano is actually an author who has a short story in this year's AS21 Annual, which as of the release of this podcast came out the previous Thursday, October 1st, and is now, as you're listening to this, available for purchase on market.as21.com and on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So Jan has a, a short story called Radiant Ruby appearing in this year's annual. She also had a short story called Honey that appeared appeared in last year's annual, so I highly recommend you pick up either annual to check out her excellent work. In fact, her short story, Honey, was chosen as the best of the lot uh, from all of our submissions last year by our editor-in-chief after the annual was completed. There we go. Now, one other thing, I've been meaning to say this for a while. We are very thankful for the music that we are able to use on this podcast. We only use music that is in the public domain. And the song that you hear at the beginning, at the end of this podcast, is called Forest Night by the artist Phase Shift. And that was a track originally uploaded to the free music sharing site GiveLifeBackToMusic.com, which, as far as I could tell, is no longer operating. But I was able to track this down on FreePD.com, which is a public domain music website. And so I was able to track down this music. I thought it was excellent match to talk about fantasy podcast. And so uh, if you like that music, go ahead and check that out online and track down Phase Shift and check out more of their music. It has a nice ethereal sound to it, I feel. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been meaning to mention that for a while. So let's see. We have to, I have now burned up, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> hey, nah, no, it, not even that. Not, and not even 15, maybe. No, no, not even 15. That's amazing. Oh, there you go. Woohoo! But not just me, thankfully. No, not just you. I, I got to say some things, too. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, one more thing touching on last month's episode. Yes, we, I know it was 45 minutes long, and that, that was might have been a bit too long. But, frankly, when I went to start editing, it started at 59 minutes. So I had to chop 14 minutes out of that. And when it came down to it, I just I could have sped up. I could, could have taken out pauses, and I, I, there was a lot of good conversation there I didn't want to cut out. I didn't want to make to have to sacrifice of good content for time, and then I didn't want to have to make it sound like we were all talking like this with almost no breaks and just keep going and, you know, so on and so forth. Right. So I kind of let it breathe, and it 
breathed <laughs> the 45 minutes, which may have been a bit too long for some people. From what I could tell from the stats, there were a lot of people who started listening, and I doubt if they all got to the end. So ah, we got to get these people to the end. That's where all the good stuff I'm is. Still decent numbers. It's still a higher than average number for the podcast, but I mean, we're, we're trying, we're trying to improve always. So true. the more listeners, the better. So as always listen, like tweet, share, follow, help spread the word. Cause we Please, get your friends over the head and make them like it. We want, we want this. Yes. So- Yes, because we believe in Paul's story here. Obviously, Paul believes in the story. Otherwise, he wouldn't be writing it. So help us tell that story now, the story of how that story came together, and so that it we could all celebrate and read together when the book is done. Woo-hoo. All right, now that I've bored everyone to tears with the news, and uh, now we got to get to our conversation. This month, we're talking about timelines. Now, specifically, we're talking about a timeline within the story. Now, this this is separate from setting, where setting could be it's set in the Old West or it's set in the medieval period. This is actually from the beginning to, of a story to the end of a story, how, the passage of time. I, is it like Ulysses, where the entire events take place in one day? Or is it like The Magicians by Lev Grossman, where the first... The beginning of the novel starts right as the main character is graduating from high school and ends a year out after graduating from college. So, you know, a whole five-year window for one book. And then, of course, there's like the, the Iliad and the Odyssey, which each cover a period of ten years. But then that's going to Homer, and that, that's a whole other thing. Obviously, yeah. there's not... You could also go with, like, The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. All those ones took the Lord of the Rings took place, the entire trilogy, in just over a year, I believe, if right. I remember correctly. And each Harry Potter book is supposed to be a single year in the life yeah. of the just characters. A, just a single school year, exactly. Right. So, I mean, obviously we're not touching biography where it's supposed to encompass an entire person's life. But oh, no- novels, we tend to stick to the more interesting bits. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we don't have to. We don't have to worry about the time someone got cold and they were in bed for three days. Yes, we we don't get in depth into the life as a baby of main characters. No, unless of course something really miraculously miraculous happens at that time for us. Yes, that was a, a segue to, <laughs> <laughs> as we've discussed in past podcasts. Now, the main character Aiden from yes. the Well of the Magi, he does have a sort of miraculous event as a baby. Yes, his entire birth cycle. Oh, wow. So, I'll get into this then. As it is right now, I actually recently just reworked my prologue for my story, which, in terms of the timeline, takes place in the, essentially, ten, no, no, about a year or so, actually, before Aiden's birth. And the prologue actually follows his mother, or the woman that will become Aiden's mother, just for the prologue. And then you jump into the first chapter, and you are following Aiden around when he is, you know, 14, 15 years old, as I've been saying. So you immediately have a jump there of 14, 15 years that you don't really have much happening. As I tell the story, you learn about events that take place in that time frame, but you don't actually take that direct reading account. It's, you know, the second-hand telling 
as Aiden remembers these events as they took place. The rest of the story as it progresses will take place over the span of maybe a couple of years at most, as I am telling it. Mm -hmm. Certain aspects of my story, as it is written, I do allow for some organic growth in my own story and my characters. So logistically, you know, I, I might consider something taking this amount of time, say, this particular aspect of the story will take a week, maybe. Whereas all of a sudden, because of how I wrote things and how things are happening, I might have to have that week-long journey, that week-long mission, adventure, discovery might have to take a little bit longer. So I do have that allowance in my own story. Although I, I do have a rather firm idea that it will not take longer than a five-year period because I simply don't have that interest in Aiden having to deal with that kind of prolonged life issue, I should say, of dealing with five years plus in the main capital city and the surrounding areas that he is going to have to visit as we go along. Now, of course, we don't, obviously, whenever we're talking about timeline, of course, during the timeline, we do kind of, kind of stick to the major events. It may start, the prologue may start, you know, a year before his birth and go up to his birth. Right. But then you pick up years later mm -hmm. in, in the main story. Yes. Because uh, in, in the case of my, my second book, the novella Life's Penance, the main chapters of the book deal with only like two to three week period in the lives of the characters. But then the final chapter is a full year later. So where technically the timeline is a full year, it's really only three weeks and then flash ahead for to a half an hour period a year later. Right. It's more of an epilogue than really a final chapter, but based on the way I had the story structure, I didn't do the prologue epilogue thing. Right. Yeah. Some people like prologues and epilogues. Some people hate them. So. Well, I mean, you could have it as uh, where you have the story. The prologue and the epilogue is the present time, and the main story is distant past. I remember reading there was a an old Star Trek novel I read called Strangers in the Sky and the uh, prologue was the book being given to uh Captain Kirk uh, a book uh, an old 20th century style book being given to Captain Kirk to read huh. and uh about the possible first visit of aliens to Earth. And, but then the rest of the story takes place within the actual occurrence in the 21st century. So, you know, the prologue and the epilogue is set in the 20th, you know, the 22nd century. Right. So, yeah, the book itself is called Strangers from the Sky. The book within the book is called Strangers from the Sky. <laughs> I like that. And it was actually while he was Admiral Kirk. So it was in the period around the time of the first... The Star Trek, the motion picture. And, but yeah, an interesting story. Doing the full thing. It came out in July 1987, written by Margaret Wander Bonanno. And if you get the audiobook, it's read by George Takei and Leonard Nimoy. Oh, wow. So yeah, that that's a, that's like a good one. But you couldn't get Shatner? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always wants William Shatner. They all want. It was actually the first Star Trek book to be published as an audiobook. Oh, wow. Cool. I like that. Yeah. So that that was a read 20 years ago. Oh, wow. 
So that is the case of, in Timeline, the main story actually takes place over the course of... Well, it keeps revisiting back to the timeline in the past, but and then it's Kirk reading the book and responding to it. Mm. And so for Kirk, it's only like a matter of days, maybe a couple weeks. And for the people in the story, within the story, it may be a few weeks or a month. So... Altogether, it seems like it's that the story was timeline was a hundred years, but it's actually only a few days. Oh wow! Okay. It's just the days are a hundred years apart. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a reach pulling that one out. <laughs> hey, you pulled it off. You yeah. got it together, my friend. <laughs> right. Well, with the help of Wikipedia and yeah. uh, Memory Alpha, the Star Trek Wikipedia database. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time we we end up hitting on things like this where we have to look stuff up, like last month that we were looking up the Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. We need to have, like, a Google searching music. Like, all right, we are now searching Google. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that would probably go off really well. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. Well, it always gets me when I'm listening to a podcast and they are talking about something and then they'll just be like, wait, what was that? Like, I don't know. Like, at the Nerdist, they'll shout at Katie Levine to look it up. But, like, stuff you should know, they'd be like, what was that? Oh, I don't know. And then they'll kind of forget about it. And it's like, no, no, look it up. <laughs> we want to know these things. Don't make us look this up. Okay, so, sorry for that little aside. Timeline. <laughs> timeline, there yes. we go. But, but yeah, w- when you're constructing a timeline, you got to make sure that, obviously... You don't want to include things in the timeline that are going to lose your readers, because okay. then it's just, it's minutia, it's distracting, it's boring. Yeah, absolutely. But then, of course, you don't want to skip, you don't want to be like, so this happened at 12.38 in the afternoon on September 16th, and now we flash ahead to 2.45 on October 5th. <laughs> and you want it, it has to move organically and right. definitely don't give specifics unless you're writing it as a transcript, which some people do. I'm not going to bash people, that. Well, I mean, the the wonderful thing, I'll preface the wonderful thing and the awful thing when it comes to writing, especially for me, when it comes to writing fantasy lines and science fiction, especially, is that and this is true for all stories, is that you have to keep track of all the characters in some way. Right. This way you know, this way you, the the writer and author, know what's happening to your characters when you're not dealing with them. Perchance, you know, when the main character travels off to go somewhere else to achieve some mission, achieve some adventure, you have to know what is going on back home as the writer so that he can get that crucial letter that says you were gone for two weeks when all of a sudden there was an uprising which no that does not happen my story yet (laughs) who knows it might maybe i'll just change everything around and have a civil war happen who knows well but then we talked about in last month's episode there was the story you were reading where because of improper story management it took a certain amount of time for the character to get somewhere on foot and then it took longer to get back my yep. horse. Yep. That's story management faux pas, yes, but it's also a problem of timeline. Yep. And it seems like somebody was trying to, they were trying to hit a mark on a timeline and didn't properly set that up. Right. Absolutely. You know, that's, that is just the thing that happens, sadly, with so many of these stories. You just have that problem. Right. You know. Well, and plus, you got to be realistic with your timeline. Like in the true Lord of the Rings books, they returned to the Shire after disposing of the ring, 
and mm-hmm. found that the Shire has been taken over by a male- uh, malevolent force. I can't. Well, we know with a, it was taken over by Saruman and Wormtongue. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, it was taken over by Saruman and Wormtongue and transformed into the vision of enslaved industriousness that was portrayed when Frodo met with the Elf Queen. The Elf Queen. Right. Uh, when he met with her and he saw in the pool and he saw that vision, that is what he saw. And, you know, he, the worry was that the orcs were going to do it, but it ended up happening anyway through Saruman and Wormtongue. You know, Saruman lost all his magic, but Wormtongue and him still had their charismatic gifts. Right. And they still had those things, which they just went with it. So then they have to lead an uprising with the Battle of Bywater mm-hmm. to free the Shire. Now, of course, they cut that all out of the movie. Which they should not have done. Well, at that point, the movie had already ended three times. And <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you know, the third of the nine different endings to that movie. <laughs> so it, it pretty much, it's just funny to look back that they turned The Hobbit into three movies, let the, yet they let The Return of the King stay as one. When yes. it really, sh- it should have been three. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, they wouldn't have had to pull stuff out of notes and out of other stories to fill it, like they had <laughs> to do with The Hobbit. Yeah, well, oh, don't get me started on what they had to pull together to... Yeah, that, that, that's another aside. We won't, we're not going there. But the thing is, you have to... It works. Shire was able to fall into such disrepair because they had been gone long enough for that to happen. It's mm-hmm. not like they left and came back a week later and everything had gone to... Right. So this way they... Well, you also have it. He also did the exact same thing in The Hobbit itself. When Bilbo comes back, he's been gone over a year and everyone assumes that he's dead and he comes back and they're auctioning off all of his stuff. Well, yeah, that's reasonable with the amount of time that he was gone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's re- I mean, that's an instance where it's a reasonable expectation. Right, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, that they have to, and of course there has to be the significant time accounted for in the story, and of course you have how much time they spent at the hospital with Frodo recovering from his injuries after disposing of the ring. That, right. that helped to pad the timeline a little bit. But yeah, so that's all things you have to keep in line when creating your timeline, because things don't just happen. It takes time for things to deteriorate, for things to build up. The wonderful problem that you always come across with timelines, especially in, again, fantasy and science fiction, is oh, I just have magic do it, or I just have technology do it. Right. That is, that's the magic and high technology can be the biggest crutches for writers. I have found this to be the case with my own writing, that I have to work on it in some cases, where I'll, I'm just going to have a... He'll just do a spell that does that. I was like, no, that's actually a horrible idea. Yeah. You know? Luckily for me, at this point, I catch most of them myself, so my readers and editors and all those kind of people don't yell at me about it. <laughs> well, uh, just to give you an example of where the timeline, you hope that they got it, that they are thinking about it, but at the same time, you think that maybe they're trying too hard. There's the Philip K. Dick story, Minority Report, which was turned into a Steven Spielberg movie yep. and is now a TV show on Fox. Yes. Now, it's set in D.C. 50 years in the future, the TV show is. And I was right. watching it. Uh, it just premiered as we're recording this. It just premiered a couple weeks ago. And I live in D.C. <laughs> I really doubt that the level of buildup 
and change that they have predicted for 50 years of time. Like, I could barely even guess that the Metro's going to be looking that nice. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing how badly that we keep the Metro here in the city. I mean, obviously it's not in... Not it's not dirty and filthy like some of the other subway systems, but it's but it's just the the things they have to go through just to make a small improvement in technology. The stuff that they're showing in this set fifty years in the future. I don't know if I'm being a bit pessimistic, but I don't think DC is going to have no I mean, huge I, tall buildings in southeast DC, no less the the area no. that's not really built up. No, that's not going to happen at all. And you know, the really advanced metro, and they even tore down the Washington Monument and replaced it with this glass thing with, like, a light through it. I'm like, yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I don't see... Uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but, I mean, it's all... I mean, obviously, it's fantasy and it's story, but... And they said that they actually consulted with a futurist, someone who has studied the growth of technology and tries to make as good a prediction as they can as to where the future technology is. Now, uh-huh. I can imagine some of the technological things they're showing happening but i don't see some of the other things happening then of course they do smaller throw-ins like they had the washington nationals as the 2054 world series champions (laughs) okay cool and it's the washington red clouds instead of the redskins so Uh, at least at least they became politically correct in that case yeah I, i just don't think they'd go in that direction if they were to change the name but yeah it's hey it's 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 fiction, so but yeah, it's all I. But the thing, it's all part of how they decided to balance the timeline, and just knowing how much time it takes for a a city, especially of that size, to build up. I don't, I don't think that for, for one, they'd have to get the laws changed in DC on the height limit, and God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's absolutely. better said than done. Easier said than done. Although there have been conversations about it, I don't doubt that's coming. Probably. One thing that was funny is in the TV show there was an ad for actual advertisement on the Metro for marijuana, <laughs> which is probably going to be accurate because it, marijuana is now legal in D.C. So You lucky people, you. I won't speak any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. not, not what we're selling here. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we've been talking for a while now. It's time to close out. I'm that was our discussion of timeline. I hope that it was informative to you. Basically, keep it in check, people. <laughs> Watch your timelines. <laughs> keep it in check. Absolutely. Keep it realistic. Keep it exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. So that wraps up this Chapter 7 of the Publish Me podcast. Next month, Chapter 8, we're going to have on, as a guest, AS21 creative Eileen Vega, author of the nonfiction collection Dating as Told by the Modern Whore. Now, the reason Eileen will be on is November is National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo. Every year for the past few years, thousands of people from across the country and even maybe across the world have taken part in this challenge to try to write an entire novel, 40,000 words, in one month. That month being the month of November, which is only 30 days. You're already hurting yourself by shafting you on the day. Let's be glad you didn't try to do it in February. Then that would be impossible. Oof. But Eileen actually wrote her book, Dating, entirely in the month of November 2014. So we'll have her on to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the achievement of writing her book, which, of course, is now available from AS21 in, as a digital download. You can get it on Amazon, Kobo, Smashwords, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, and iBooks. 
So she'll be on, and we'll be talking about NaNoWriMo, tips for how to keep to schedule. Obviously, I'm not pushing Paul to <laughs> try to take the challenge. <laughs> I, he's already passed the 40,000 words. and Oh, yeah, and then some. <laughs> with his schedule, I, I doubt that being able to really hunker down and hit 40,000 words in a month might not be doable. But Not right now, sadly. I wish, I wish. But we'll still talk about it. If you have any questions about NaNoWriMo or you've done it successfully or not successfully, send in. Uh, let us know about it. We may read your comments on the air, of course, giving you proper attribution. And, of course, you can reach us now, publishpodcast at as21.com. It's the email, facebook.com slash publishpodcast. T- on Twitter, at publishpodcast. Google Plus, find us there, as well as on Pinterest. Send us your comments, queries, questions. Rip us apart. Give us praise. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Like us, share us, friend us, tweet us. Let us know that you're listening, all right? Yes. And thank you for AS21 Publishing. I am Keith F. Shovlin. And I am Paul Dickinson Russell, author of The Will of the Magi. As always, remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. Copyright 2015. AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be? I want to show you this. I want to share with you this very unique instrument. We call the dead whistle. The dead whistle, the Aztec use for special ceremonies for Day of the Dead celebration. And also they use, when they have a war, when they fight with other tribes, they play over a hundred instruments, a hundred dead whistles, marching and make a lot of noise to cause a big psychological effects to the enemy. So this is very intimidating instruments and this is very unique. So this is the dead whistle.